Thank you for coming on. Um, you know, we met at um, Elemental Rhythms uh, Breathwork event over at Clear Being, and I really connected with what you were saying. You kind of opened up the whole event with a beautiful talk, um, a little bit about your story about meditation, and you took us through uh, kind of the guided meditation. And what really kind of made me connect with you is when you were talking about your trauma and the things you've been through and kind of the transformational uh, experiences you've been through and to where your life is kind of at now. And that's what kind of called me to reach out to you, you know, to get you on the podcast and, and share your story a little bit. Yeah. So thank you again uh, for coming on. And I think a good way to kind of just kick this off is just to kind of like uh, let people know a little bit about who you are and kind of what you're up to right now. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the health and wellness space has always been a, a massive passion of mine, uh, really aligning with who I am and what I believe in down to my core. Um, you know, you touched on uh, an event that occurred in my life, which, you know, isn't unusual for a lot of people. On one level or another, we experience difficulties, traumas, and, and they really have the capacity to shape who we are uh, and how our body accommodates for it and copes, uh, then forming kind of a new reality. And this goes all the way into our, you know, our genome, our DNA um, and, uh, and I'll tell you, of course, it was out of breath work. You mentioned meditation, you know, mentioned, uh, uh, an event that occurred in my life and, um, a lot of difficulty arose from that point forward, uh, in terms of a, a real degradation of my physical wellness. I got, uh, extremely sick. Um, you know, I used to be about 230 pounds, a lot more muscular and, uh, within about an eight week period, I went down to about, or, or maybe even less than eight weeks, I went down to about a buck 75. Um, couldn't walk, all my joints were inflamed, um, complete, you know, brain fog, uh, couldn't think straight, uh, amongst other symptoms. And, you know, because I guess there was a proclivity and uh, a history around, you know, holistic medicine and, and you know, natural wellness and orthomolecular nutrition, um, you know, when I had uh, approached the conventional, you know, medical system with these symptoms, uh, A, there was a lot of talk about symptom management or, you know, crisis management. Uh, there was no real discussion around what's the core of the issue, what really happened here, and how does that connect with us deeply as human beings? Um, and, uh, and from that point, I really went within. And I really connected with, you know, the latent mastery that I believe we all have at our disposal, which is, you know, the ability to heal uh, our bodies and our minds through modalities such as meditation, breath work, nutrition, uh, and certain, you know, modalities or, or, or you know, supplements uh, that are, are unconventional, let's call them. So I really went through a deep dive in that realm and uh, and really for the first time ever, you know, had to put my money where my mouth was and, and really heal my own body. Uh, energy medicine was a big part of that. Uh, but to go back to meditation and breath work, which I think have, you know, kind of an interesting uh, relationship because they are, you know, I feel like two branches of the same tree, so to speak. Um, you know, it was it was my relationship with an executive healthcare clinic uh, that prompted me to get into meditation at the time. So this health crisis 
uh, really prompted me to look outside of the conventional medical system. Uh, I was introduced to an executive healthcare clinic, uh, a paid for private healthcare, uh, of which the director has uh, a deep relationship with mindfulness meditation um, through his uh, secular experience with Buddhism. So, you know, this is a guy who was the founding medical director for the Cleveland Clinic, um, you know, great accolades, and was able to really connect, you know, mind and body and look at how, you know, there's a relationship between trauma and the degradation of the human biome uh, in, in, all its, uh, in all its intricate ways. Um, and that, you know, really, of course, because of my proclivity and interest in wellness, learned about, for example, the, uh, the work of Elizabeth Blackburn, Nobel Prize winning um, you know, researcher that did uh, work on telomeres, for example. And if you know anything about telomeres, they are the, you know, the kind of the tips of the DNA that have uh, uh, a way of providing a barometer for aging or cellular degradation. And you know, uh, her work showed us that there's five leading causes to you know, the acceleration of aging or the acceleration of disease, uh, you know, or the prevention of those. And, you know, there's smoking, there's poor nutrition, there's a sedentary lifestyle, uh, there's lack of quality sleep. And the last one really spoke to me. And I was surprised to find out that unresolved trauma can degrade telomeres as quickly as those other factors. Uh, and in some cases, even even accelerated even worse. So I found that you know resolving that trauma and resolving that experience, and and uh, specifically for me, it was mindfulness meditation uh, and uh, EMDR. If you're familiar with EMDR, which oh, is yeah, uh, yeah I, I, EMDR is uh, it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So. You know, there's a way of, you know, I'm sitting at my desk here today and there's paperwork all over the desk and kind of like the prefrontal cortex or the executive center of the mind, you know, we're working on things every day. We have responsibilities, we have issues, we have, you know, uh, all types of things that kind of get in the way of taking, you know, the foot off the gas in life. We have things to do and trauma uh, you know, because of the intelligence of the human mind, truly, you know, maintains those things on our desk. And the reason for it is because the human ancestral mind, which lies below the neocortex, so we're talking about the amygdala, the emotional response center of the brain, more the mammalian brain, recognizes that there was a trauma. And this trauma may happen again. Whether it happens again or not, the human ancestral mind wants you to be prepared to deal with it. So it doesn't file it away. So we have to really kind of go within and realize that although the human ancestral mind wants us to be prepared to survive, um, you know, we have to think of ways to process that and say, thank you, but no, thank you. I've recognized that that event occurred. Uh, it doesn't have to occur again. And I don't have to live inside of a mental prison because the human ancestral mind, which, by the way, has two primary functions, to reproduce and to survive. And right. times what it does is it will bring to light potential danger at all costs, including the truth. 
So I found myself after this traumatic event living in a mental prison. And one of my mentors, which was the executive healthcare uh, clinic, the director of the clinic, you know, has a, a great quote, whether it's his or not. He says, you know, Rob, um, the body is the punching bag of the mind, which really spoke to me and gives me goosebumps when I think about it. Mm. We don't connect. We really don't connect enough with the relationship between mind and body and how, how much uh, you know, that relationship, both bilaterally, uh, exposes us to degradation or a lack of equanimity. Uh, we're not able to get into homeostasis if we're living in a perpetual state of stress. Right. Whether, that, whether that stress is a, a chronic low-level state of go, 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 or whether there was a traumatic experience. Uh, so that, for me, was a real... Um, a real deep way of connecting with mindfulness meditation, which we can get into a little bit more if you'd like. Yeah, so I'd like to dissect that a little bit. Um, so you, you mentioned that you went through a traumatic experience and then you went on this journey, you ended up meeting this, this doctor and you were connecting the mind and the body. At what age were you? Like, What kind of um, time frame or timeline are we looking at here? Yeah, so I was about uh, 32 at the time. Uh, so this is about 10 years ago. I'm 42 now. I see. Okay. I, I was thinking you were um, younger, even more like 18, 19, because you mentioned to me, I think once before, when you're about 18, 19, you went through a physical uh, kind of trauma, right? Some kind of health issue, I believe. You know, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because I never really thought of that as a trauma, but who knows? I'm kind of on the gradients of trauma. Uh, what we were talking about previously before we started the podcast was um, kind of a health scare that I had in my early teens. Okay, so 18, 19, early teens, you know, you went through that health scare, and then fast forward to about your 30s. Um, do, do you mind kind of enlightening us a little bit about what that trauma was um, doing your 30s that kind of like started this journey? Yeah, listen, it was uh, it had to do with um, with uh, a scare that my wife had at home with our our youngest, who was a toddler at the time. And, you know, she fell. And uh, at the time, my wife was extremely distraught and scared with with what had happened. So when I got the call, uh, what I had heard was kind of worst case scenario. Uh, and that really kind of just drove me into a, a really um, you know, rather immediately, a very dark place. And I was, you know, kind of doing, uh, don't recommend this, but I was doing like 180 on the shoulder to get to the hospital and, you know, really concerned what had happened, thinking the worst. Uh, and right there, again, this sheds light on how the ancestral mind functions. Ancestral mind being, you know, more the mammalian brain. It's, it's concerned not around logic, but around survival. Uh, and at all costs. And I'm not unique. I think, you know, the, 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 the beauty around mindfulness meditation, and I think, you know, what we strive for, which is to achieve enlightenment, right, which I think is always an ongoing journey is recognizing that this experiencing and directing consciousness uh, is similar to me as it is to you and every single other person. And what happens is once we realize that we're all operating with that same experiencing, directing consciousness, all of a sudden there's kind of a, a rise of compassion. Yes. Uh, there's a rise of empathy. And I think that for people who go through, for example, a breathwork experience and they you know, uniformly experience this connection 
to either a past event or you know loving kindness we 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 realize that we're all the same like there is not much that differentiates kind of that operating system that we all have uh and that for me is really brought compassion and awareness around all individuals that you know when we are selfish when we're paranoid which is part of the human ancestral you know programming um you know we're disconnecting with you know the the interconnectedness of of all human beings uh and when we see suffering with other people when we see stress when we see anxiety when we see paranoia or selfishness you know we we typically like to jump to judgment right and and you know we frown upon other people for acting out or doing certain things of course with the exception of you know perhaps mental illness or other challenges but it's really prompted me uh to really think about how you know that's me you know and i could also go through those things you know so sorry to deviate there but it's it's all kind of so connected right no i, I appreciate you for deviating because like i understand where you're coming from and you're trying to kind of create this kind of um this backstory if you will of like what your thought process was during these events and what it kind of led to to where you're at now. So I, I do appreciate that. And I can relate to one thing that you said um, was that word awareness. And I think when your level of awareness rises to like all these things showing up in your mind and the way you're reacting to these external situations, when you can be aware of that stuff and catch yourself in it and allow yourself to breathe through it, you can kind of bring your nervous system back down, relax in the moment. And as I say, you can respond to the situation versus react to it. And I think that's where the real change kind of happens. Because when you're just reacting to the external situations that are happening to you, a lot of that kind of negativity or resentment or judgment can come up and the anxiety is coming up and then you're just like living in a place of negativity. So um, I, I see definitely where you're coming from. So when you were, um, you got the call, right? And then you're going to the hospital. First of all, was your daughter, did she end up okay? And then second question is like, yeah, how did that turn into a negative or sorry, how did that turn into like a traumatic experience that really set you on that uh, kind of downward uh, spiral? Yeah, th thank you so much. I'm, I'm going to rewind even just a little bit further. I, I heard you talk about, you know, kind of the fight or flight response and reactivity. Um, you know, one of my favorite authors, I remember Tim Ferriss talking about mindfulness meditation. Uh, he would reframe it as anti-reactivity training. Uh, which is which is brilliant because you're you're completely right to suggest that we um, we can garner awareness of the present moment, and that is sort of a way of exercising your awareness of the present. Um, and let me kind of give you an analogy, one that worked really well for me. You know, mindfulness meditation is extremely simple. In essence, what we're doing is we're focusing our attention on something that resides in the present moment. And that may be, you know, the tactile sensation of the breath through my nostrils. It might be the rise and fall of my chest as I'm breathing, the sensation of my body in a chair, and just focusing on that which is existing in the present moment. Now, what happens is naturally the human mind is programmed to either anticipate what's going to happen next or go back and ruminate on the past. Uh, and, you know, the more dominant is, you know, anticipating what may happen. And we go into all kinds of thoughts, you know, a meeting that I might have, you know, someone I got a call, uh, what's happening for dinner tonight. And during a mindfulness meditation uh, practice, 
what we do is we just notice that our mind has wandered and we bring it back to whatever's happening in the present moment, that sensation. And every single time we do that, it's like a repetition with a dumbbell where we're strengthening the ability to remain in the present moment. Now, this doesn't depart from ruminating or anticipating because that's natural. That's a natural function of the human mind. What we're doing is we're garnering the ability to remain present because here is the only place where we have executive authority. And what happens is with what you were suggesting, once we're reactive, we are then subordinate to the ancestral mind that really doesn't care about being present. It cares more about survival and propagation. Right. So so Sorry, just, just a question on that, because do you, do you feel like when you do go through a traumatic, traumatic experience and then it's kind of left suppressed within you, something external um, can trigger that tra traumatic experience subconsciously and bring out those emotions and feelings without you even uh, being aware of it? Well, that's interesting, because the way I would look at that is I would define uh, whether or not we're talking about PTS, which is post-traumatic stress. Okay. or PTSD. Now, PTSD, of course, is a disorder uh, where you really become imprisoned by all things that are shackling you to anticipating that happening again and again and again. And this is why in the most extreme cases with people who have been through, uh, you know, all sorts of difficult experiences, they're really unable to experience any type of, you know, uh, kind of, you know, whether we, even if we want to call it a trigger, uh, you know, there's many things that can really trigger it as a real time experience where this is happening now. They have not been able to file away the experience. So right. with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is what I experienced, um, you know, I went back to tell you that, you know, I had received the phone call. Well, well anytime my phone rang, my heart rate went through. Oh, no way. I broke out into sweats and I was anticipating that that could happen again. Now, this, this was not my conscious mind generating this. This was a deep, you know, programming, uh, you know, within my body to say, you need to anticipate this so it doesn't happen again. It was such an existential threat that we cannot afford uh, for that to happen again. So right. logical as it may be, uh, what I needed to do was I needed to file that away. So with both mindfulness meditation and EMDR, uh, you know, it was a magical, magical result where I was able to resolve and file away that as not something that's current, but something that has happened. I learned from it and I don't have to deal with it in the present moment anymore. That's beautiful. And that's all due to the fact that you actually addressed it. And I think that's something to be said too, because like a lot of times, even when we're, when we were a kid all the way to young adult to where we are now, we go through these traumatic experiences in our life, but we don't deal with it. We leave them suppressed within us. We try to push them down. We try to avoid those emotions. But then, like I was saying earlier, I believe that throughout your life, other external things will happen that are triggering that traumatic experience and releasing that emotion within you to cause you to act and be a certain way. So by you actually like confronting it and doing the real work to kind of alleviate that traumatic, traumatic experience, you're able to kind of move on and kind of like let it go. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it's interesting you, you say that because what's what's come up for me, uh, going back to that awareness around 
you know, I being one with each and every other individual on this planet who has the same, you know, processing system, the same operating system, we are in experiencing and directing consciousness. It's been very difficult to witness people who have gone through their own types of traumas and think that it's just something we can sweep under the rug because depending on the degree of that trauma, you know, we need to tap into the ancestral wisdom. And if we look at ancestral wisdom, if we look at what, you know, ancient, you know, practices have done is they've had a way of accessing nature, accessing, whether it be plant medicine, mindfulness meditation, to really naturally connect us with a balance and homeostasis, naturally able to process these experiences and release them back to where they should be, which is, you know, as something that has occurred, which we can recognize and learn from. But learn we from don't to, yeah, we don't have to live with as something that, you know, may happen any given second, because that is living in a mental prison. And I see people live like that often, too often. And you know, whether we're talking about traumas that have occurred, whether we're talking about experiences around, you know, health, uh, sorry, call it nutrition, um, you know, diet and exercise, whether we're talking about a lack of hydration, a lack of connection to nature and grounding with the earth. You know, I see all these things as one bucket um, that, that we need to build awareness and a substrate that people can scaffold and assimilate so that they can use some of these tenets and wisdom into their lives without thinking that A, it's quackery, and B, that it's so comprehensive that it's like, oh my God, I, I can't even think about that. I've got too much on my on my mind, on my plate. So this for me has become one of my missions in life, which is connecting people to some of the simplicity uh, all around us through you know, ancient wisdom, through nature. Uh, you know, some of the, the, the best practices through nutrition uh, that really support a body and mind that's living in a paradigm that's so disconnected to, to our, our natural element and homeostasis. So this, this has really become a difficult conundrum, I think, for any practitioner in health and wellness that wants to give people uh, a real good outlet that they can utilize in their lives. Yeah, I can definitely relate to what you're saying. And I don't even think it has to be necessarily a practitioner. I think it's just like, it could be your partner. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. And if you're living that life, right, in that wellness space and you're taking care of yourself and you see all these other people around you that are suffering, that are still dealing with stuff from their past and they haven't really worked through it, but yet they're not actually willing to kind of step out of that box they're within and to get into that that wellness realm, if you will, of the nutrition, right? The exercise or just the mindfulness or whatever that kind of looks like for you to kind of like help yourself heal. And even for my own personal journey, I see it, you know, within my own community of people. And, and as much as I try to kind of like, you know, push them, if you will, in that right direction or lead them, if you will, or show them the door, it's still a lot of times people just slam the door and they don't want to go through it. So what would you say, like, or, or as a practitioner, like, what are some ways that you can kind of like guide people in the right direction so they will take that step? Because that, in my own personal experience, again, has been the most challenging thing is seeing people living that life, right? And, and holding on to all that, but not being willing to kind of like take that step out of their, let's call it their comfort zone, if you will, 
right, out of their comfort zone, get a little uncomfortable, do that work on themselves so they can kind of like move in a more kind of lightful, you know, you know, uh, future, if you will. Yeah, that, that's a really, really great question. It's one that I contemplate a lot. Uh, I've got some good answers, but I feel as though there's not one, you know, magic silver bullet that works for every single person that, you know, depending on age, depending on, you know, experience and or, you know, what type of paradigm they're in. Some people are really cemented behind a patina of experience and truth that is unique to them. Um, and it's it's really difficult to break through old paradigms. Now, in hearing you say that, the word that comes up for me is inspiration, um, because the the opposite the opposite well not the opposite but you know we we can we can compel people or through through motivation for example so motivation is something that you know we 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 light a fire under someone's butt right and that really gets them moving uh, and and like one of my mentors uh, another uh, great gentleman who's um, I can talk about maybe once we, if we have time, but uh, who led, uh, he was directing manager of manpower in the UK, had 70,000 employees, became a leadership guru, top 10 in the world. Uh, I was blessed to spend, uh, you know, many, many days with this gentleman, uh, paid for consulting, of course, uh, and taught me a lot about leadership. And leadership is, you know, how do we lead people not just to, you know, sell, not just to you know uh, do what we need them to do on the clock, but how to live a better life, how to inspire our our kids, how to lead you know our families and our communities. And he spoke about the difference between motivation and inspiration. You know, and motivation being lighting a fire under someone, and you know motivation being something that I use to get you out of this room if it's on fire. Right? I'm going to compel you to do that, and it's going to work but it's an exhausting way for me to lead and for you to follow. It's very transient, right? It's, it's very fight or flight. Um, it's very, uh, you know, fear inducing. And although it works in the short term, it's not something that's gonna get people uh, to make changes long-term. Whereas inspiration is something that you put inside people's hearts. Inspiration is long lasting and durable. So I think the question then becomes, how do I inspire you and what means something to you that we can backpace your aging process? We can backpace the disease propagation that you're on. That is sustainable. Um, and there's a big difference between those two. So I think the question for me becomes, how do we inspire people and what really connects with them to make changes that last? Um, you know, the other thing is really just being an agent of change and having the people around you witness the changes within you and kind of get curious about, you know, what did you do and, and how did that happen? And, you know, prompting those questions engages the conversation that people can connect to. Yes. Yeah, that, that's really well said. Um, I, I, I like the idea of the inspiration, the agent of change. And, you know, that's been my journey personally is just kind of leading by example, if you will. Um, and I always start with my kids. I have two little kids. They're seven and nine years old. And that's my, that, that's my, they're my inspiration, if you will. But it's also my kind of my guy, my job to hopefully inspire them. And that's where I always start. 
And if other people get inspired as well, then so be it. But starting with, with you know, my kids, I feel like they're at such a young age. I'm really excited to see how they grow up, you know, living in an environment where I, I'm kind of leading by example by doing these modalities, by talking to them about their emotions and their feelings. And like, as far as like the other people in my life, I try again to also lead by that inspiration. But what I'm seeing, what I find sometimes as inspiring as you can be and as much change you put in yourself, sometimes that actually causes more uh, friction and, re and resentment from those people and stuff because they see that you're going on this transformational journey and maybe they recognize it in themselves that like, oh, maybe I need to do something, but it's almost scary for them to, to admit the fact that maybe I'm not perfect or maybe I need to work on myself or maybe I'm responsible for some of these things that are showing up in my own life. And then they hit this wall, right? And they either have to go over the wall or break that wall down or they stay again, stuck in that, that comfort zone that they've created for themselves. So it's an interesting kind of back and forth, um, you know, situation that, that, that you're in, but I, I love what you're saying. And I think just that premise of, yeah, agent of change, you know, being that light worker, you know, taking, you know, taking that positivity and, and taking those experiences of your own life and just putting them out there and seeing where they lie. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, no, listen, I appreciate that. And um, I'm, I'm happy to, to share and if this helps anyone, uh, there's utility in it. I'll, I'll I'll tell you that in hearing you talk about the 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 work around perhaps inspiring those around us and why there may be resistance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really think that that has a lot to do with the ancestral mind. Again, so you know, we are we are tribal beings that rely on our community on an ancestral level. Okay, so. You know, we can probably talk more about this maybe in, a, in another podcast, but the ancestral mind is an interesting operating system that, you know, uses uh, perhaps logic that we're not familiar with, um, you know, and we have relationships around us that are based on tribe, right? So existentially, people survive when they're in a tribe. And I think uh, what happens is when you may elevate and evolve and it kind of depart from an old paradigm into a new one, you're kind of leaving the tribe. And the tribe doesn't typically like that. The tribe is like, whoa, whoa, where are you going? You know, you're part and parcel to my survival. And it's an uncomfortable feeling to realize that you're evolving and growing out of an old paradigm. And people typically get uncomfortable with that. All of this to say that, you know, I think um, one of the, 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 the biggest conundrums for any you know, whether it be practitioner, whether it be someone who wants to inspire change in others, is realizing that um, abandoning hope for results uh, is a very real thing, that some people may not be ready for it. And, you know, the effort to change other people may cause more harm than good. And everybody's got their own time, their own journey. And I think we have to honor and listen to that. Uh, yeah. And really, you know, be an agent of change and just inspire through our own behaviors and and changes that we make in our lives, right? Yeah, beautiful. Um, okay, so let's bring it back a little bit because um, I, I want to understand more about like the experience that you went through because you went through that post-traumatic experience with the phone was ringing and you did this work, right? So what, what was like, like, like what was life af after the fact that you went through all this mindful meditation and you started doing this work on yourself. So, so what was like life like after that? Like, wh where did it take you? 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you that after that event, um, there was a real, uh, a crazy experience that my physical body went through as a result of the agitation and trauma that my mind went through. Um, that that this is a very real, uh, tenable, you know, uh, connection between the mind and body, and and this was why I got very sick. Uh, so you know, I didn't have the resilience to be able to fight off an infection. So it was actually, uh, I think it was either a bacterial or viral infection that really digged its claws into my body in a way that um, is typically unusual, right? The body has an immune system, has resilience, has the ability to ward off and fight off infection. Um, and I think that was what uh, testing found was that it was, it was an infection that really uh, you know, made its way deep into my body because I was under such levels of stress. Uh, so, you know, it speaks to the importance of resilience, right? Mindfulness meditation, you know, proper sleep, nutrition, just rest overall, which, uh, which you know, in our go, go, go society, you know, we, we kind of disconnect with and we look at as weakness. So, you know, I think people really have to connect with the importance of that. Uh, but what I will say is after that, uh, that was a journey. That was a journey of, you know, at least eight years of deep, you know, continual mindfulness meditation practice. So I think that uh, overall, the healing journey took at minimum about two years. Um, you know, I, I still felt a lot of uh, discomfort, a lot of limitations in my physical strength and body. Uh, you know, joint pain, I had to make a lot of nutritional and dietary changes to accommodate a lot of gut healing. Um, so, so it was no, no short road, which I think, uh, you know, speaks to the, the, the difference between kind of a conventional way of living versus, um, you know, addressing core issues, you know, with, with health and wellness. And it doesn't have to take two years, but I will say that had I not done that, I likely would have been on drugs lifelong and I would have been, you know, uh, relegated to a condition that I would be living with long term. So, so I'm curious, like, so this was, was this all due to, to that one phone call and that whole experience with your daughter? Or did this trigger anything else that, that you've dealt with maybe in the past or, or that was suppressed within you? And I'm not taking away from the experience with your daughter because I don't fully and, I hope, and again, maybe you can just share if your daughter is okay now, because I don't think you ever said, but can, can you shed some oh, light absolutely. on it? Like, yeah. Yes, 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 absolutely. No, no, no. Uh, everything is, uh, everything was uh, fine. And it was, uh, it was just a bad fall. But of course, in the moment, it was very scary, both for my wife and I, but yes, she is a hundred percent Okay. Uh, perfect today, you know, thank God. Um, and, uh, and, and that's a good question, whether or not there was, you know, some type of lineage to that experience and how it may have connected to something in the past, whether my past or whether a past that I had nothing to do with, right? Because we know that there is such thing as generational, you know, trauma and lineage that connects you know, there have been, you know, many, many studies on this showing that we connect to experiences of not only our past, but our parents' past or their parents' pasts. So, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't think I have the answer to whether or not 
that was uh, a deeper, there was a deeper trigger there, but I think it just speaks to, you know, how comprehensive, you know, our relationship is with stress and trauma and how it's something that really should be resolved and should be looked at as something that we pay attention to as a real cause and effect relationship. Uh, and, and, you know, we don't look at it as something that's transient. I'm not saying that every stress has to be managed, you know, but there are gradients of trauma, right? You know, there's, there's small stressors and then there's, you know, major stressors. And I think it's important that we pay attention to these things. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's a good example too, of like going through an experience, right? And then things kind of linger inside of you. And then you have these thoughts. And as soon as the thought goes off, it triggers the emotion inside of you, which triggers your body to feel something. And if you're continually stuck in that cycle, that's where the stress and that's where your body can go into a situation. Like, I guess that's what happened to you, where then you started to get a, some kind of virus or a disease, right? And then you kind of went down that, that path. So after, like, again, after all that was happening, and then you started taking care of yourself, you started doing the meditation, you started focusing on your nutrition, and you did the work. And you said, I believe it was seven, eight years of doing this really kind of, right, um, heavy work on yourself. And then when you came out the other end, what was life like for you then? Because I remember you kind of sharing, you know, um, and this was, I think, before the podcast that, uh, like, when you were younger, you kind of had this calling to help people, right? And you kind of had this, like, feeling that, like, you were supposed to go on a certain path, but you didn't kind of uh, open yourself up to that calling. You went in a different direction. You started a construction company, right? Um, so maybe you could fill us in a little bit there, because I think that's really kind of relevant to your story. And, and I think it's really kind of uh, going back to the word inspiring is how like you built up this construction company. And, and when I understand it became very successful. Right. But then I think you went through this journey and, and then now you're more on that wellness journey of kind of helping um, working with other people uh, through mindfulness. Am I kind of painting the right picture here? Yeah, listen, over, overall, I think there's a lot of accuracy in, in, in the way you've kind of framed that. I would say that um, certainly the connection to, um, you know, the mind-body awareness around helping people navigate that became a lot more visceral. Um, mm -hmm. It became a lot more connected. I was able to really recognize uh, how deep stress and chronic stress go uh, and how uh, it's it's part and parcel to our ability to achieve health and wellness. Uh, and it's something that's part of a wheel, right? And and I mentioned before, it's all in inside of one bucket, right? There's and and this is one of the I'll call it challenges with holistic wellness or true wellness, which is, you know, providing people a framework that they can assimilate. So for me, it's been about um, it's been really about, if I could only have so much time with an individual and I could influence changes in, you know, only so many parts of their lives uh, and I had to kind of pick my battles, what would I work on, right? What kind of changes would I, uh, you know, want to make within a person or inspire, you know? And of course, with holistic health and wellness, you know, the rabbit hole goes very, very deep, right? We can talk about stress, we can talk about EMFs, we can talk about nutrition, we can talk about grounding, we can talk about light. Light is such a massive uh, impact on our health and wellness. We can talk about sleep. Um, and once we have these conversations, 
for the wrong, well, I, I don't want to say the wrong person, but for a specific person, it can become very overwhelming, right? So, you know, it's, it's for me, it's become about how do we uh, inspire change in bite-sized ways that help people feel a real difference in their day-to-day, -day, in their vitality, uh, in their outlook. Um, and, and one thing that I found is that it's really about in our modern world, removing interferences more than it is about adding. So, you know, when I was out of school uh, with, with my nutrition designation, you know, I, my friends were making fun of me because I was like the, the, the walking pharmacy. I had every supplement you could imagine, you know, this is essential. Vitamin E is essential, you know, coenzyme Q10 and you got to have your ashwagandha and you got to this and you got to that and digestive enzymes. And, you know, you'd look at that and say, wow, that's cool, but that's not really sustainable. Like, how do you live like that? Right. Like, you know, that that's kind of stressful. Oh, my God, lot to think about. So for me, one thing that I've recognized is, especially in our modern world, if we get out of our own way, uh, you know, if we just go outside more and connect to nature, that alone produces such a cascade of positive results uh, and there's a relationship between, you know, the, the mind and nature, the body and nature, our, hor our, you know, our hormones, our circadian rhythm, uh, that I look at nature as medicine, right? And, you know, this connects to what they do in Japan. In Japan, you know, certain physicians prescribe Shinrin-yoku, which is forest bathing for depression and anxiety. Just, you know, they'll tell people, go out into nature. It's what? What kind of bathing? Horse bathing? It's called forest bathing in, in forest Japanese. It's uh, yeah, Shinrin Yoku, and it's 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 actually prescribed in Japan as as a you know as a, as the method to alleviate depression and anxiety. So you know we know that you know light influences us so much. You know our sleep influences so much. You know uh, mindfulness meditation, for example, is another tool that you know once we're able to. To, to, to alleviate the mind excessively ruminating or anticipating, that alone just provides the bandwidth for the mind and body to achieve homeostasis. And once that happens, you know, we, we bioregulate so much. You know, we regulate our sleep, we regulate our, our stress, our digestion, which is massive, has such a relationship with our, our, our vagus nerve and our autonomic nervous system. Um, you know, and this for me pays a lot more dividends than talking about addressing each and every small, you know, uh, uh, change that might be happening in certain people's biology. You know, if we look at, you know, you're not digesting properly, you may need digestive enzymes or, hey, you're, you know, you might need vitamin E or you might need this herb or that herb that that can become very difficult for people to assimilate. So I think that if we connect to these fundamentals, uh, the body has an innate intelligence that allows it to just bioregulate. Oh, that, that's fascinating. So just by going outside, getting into nature, getting more light, just breathing better, just paying more attention to your breath and how your nervous system is kind of reacting to situations and stuff and breathing through it and keeping yourself calm, that alone could probably do a lot of healing for you internally. Okay. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and, 
dur during our breath work, you know, Gio was talking about, you know, the breath and how it impacts everything from digestion to sleep to stress response, you know, our posture. So again, the rabbit hole goes so deep that if I'm working with an individual or what I've learned from my experiences, you know, if I just do these few things correctly, it takes care of so many other right. things. Right. And that's easy for me. That's easy for me to introduce into my life as a lifestyle change. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and also the fact that like, the, like you said earlier, the more you do it, you're training those muscles, right? To kind of be more aware. So like, it's not like maybe you start off and you plan your morning and you do a bit of a morning routine, you go outside, you do these things. But as you do them more and more and more, they start kind of uh, getting embedded in your subconscious. Then you start seeing them show up to you during your day. So maybe you're in a situation and you're at work or you're with your family and you're reacting and you're feeling yourself getting stressed. And again, I can speak from my own experience. It's just having that awareness show up and it's like, okay, just chill, take that breath, relax, let it out. Okay, now let me handle the situation. Just by that little technique alone can change your trajectory from going into a very kind of stressful, you know, intense situation versus going to a nice calm, I can handle this, what's really going on here. It, it makes such a difference, but you gotta be able to start somewhere. And I, you know, and I think for a lot of people, maybe the challenge is, is just literally starting and finding one of these modalities just to kick it off with. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll tell you, for, for me, the, the real magic is when you as an individual just feel so much better. Your energy levels, your mental clarity, your 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 level of happiness and elation, your ability to engage in you know all types of fun experiences in life, you know, with your children, with your family, you know, being there, being able to have the energy and bandwidth to serve, you know, humanity. Like the payoff is so much greater, right, than the cost. So for me, when people see that. You know, there's been changes in my life. I don't eat a certain way. Uh, you know, I honor getting the right type of exposure to nature. You know, I do it not because this is a discipline that I'm subordinate to, but it's a connection with my higher self that I'm serving because it's paying such dividends in my ability to live more fully. So I think once people experience that, even on a, on a low level, it's that is the essence of inspiration. We, we we start to be inspired by how we're feeling and the level of happiness, um, not needing to be subordinate to coffee or cigarettes or whatever else just to get through the day. That's no way to live, right? You can start your day off just by breathing a certain way, which will give you a very similar kind of energetic uh, buzz, if you will, that you can get from coffee. And like another great modality, something that I've really taken to is like ice baths, kicking off your day, just jumping in the ice bath or taking a cold shower. It'll give you that dopamine kick and that energy boost that'll carry you through the whole day versus coffee. You'll get something similar. You'll get that wake up feeling, but then it'll kind of like uh, go downward throughout your day and eventually you'll feel kind of drained. So these modalities are here to kind yeah. of just a matter of tapping into them. But again, it's like, and I go back to my kids and stuff, it's not like they're going to school and they're like learning about like meditation or breath work or cold exposure, right? Or, or emotional intelligence or any of these kind of things. It's, it's, it's unfortunate because like I'm in my 40s now and I probably didn't start my journey 
until I was just maybe 39, 40 years old. So like about the last eight years, I've been really dialing this in. But the first 40 years of my life, I wasn't really aware of the, these kind of like these methods. And, and a lot of my past and my experiences and my trauma, I would just, it all kind of was suppressed inside of me until things started coming out in different ways. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And again, I was living this. I was like on the outside living this life. I was in Vancouver, in Whistler, me and, and my partner, like we're snowboarding, we're doing all these amazing things. But inside of me, something was like, was so off. And it started coming out and it started getting triggered. And then I had my daughter and I started seeing little patterns of like aggression um, and little things that were coming out of me. I didn't understand why, but I didn't want her to see me like that. And that was one of my catalysts to really saying, okay, I got to deal with this. No matter what it takes, no matter what, you know, I have to do, I got to work on this stuff. I got to go back and understand where all that, that trauma is coming from or where all that, you know, internal kind of pain is coming from. And that was kind of, the, you know, the kickoff to my personal journey. So amazing. Yeah. This conversation, you're, you have so much wisdom inside of you and you have so much great knowledge to share. Um, I want to kind of bring it now to some kind of conclusion here. I know we could probably chat about this for, for a while, but um, yeah. as a way to cap this off, like, what are you up to now? And I've asked you this a few times and we haven't quite got there, but I, I bring this up again because I want you to share a little bit about the work you're doing now. And, um, you know, is there ways for people to kind of reach out with you and connect and even work with you? Is that something that, that, um, that, that, you're, that you're currently doing? Yeah, I appreciate that. So as we wrap up, I'll tell you that we, um, uh, my partners and I uh, are now basically putting together a beautiful system and plan for a health and wellness space and technology that helps people scaffold the very challenges we were talking about, right? Which is how to, how to optimize, how to live fully, uh, how to prevent illness and not be subordinate to living in triage. Um, so the company is called Immunum, uh, I-M-U-N-U-M, Immunum. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rob Amante Conscious. Um, I guess we can post some links for that. And uh, ultimately, we're in startup phase right now. So we are, uh, you know, building um, some presence and we're trying to find a physical space in the city of Toronto, which is going to be part and parcel to kind of the whole vision. Um, you know, we want to tether to technology and we understand that technology has an incredible capacity to connect people, um, to connect them to resources, to connect to their wearables and biomarkers. Um, but we're also aware that people need community and people need to come together. So physical space is also very important. Um, and the practitioners and just the entire vision is to give people the proper type of awareness and substrate so that they're doing what's essential to feel better as quickly as possible to reverse chronic stress and inflammation, which we believe are at the forefront of all, you know, our problems when it comes to health and wellness, yes. you know, reducing inflammation and reducing chronic stress, you know, and, uh, and, and, and I, I go as far as to call it distress because stress is, you know, too much of a vague term. Stress can be very beneficial, right? Stress is, uh, is hormetic, right? Um, 
and it's a way that we garner strength and resilience is to go through certain stresses. But when we're in a chronic state of stress, uh, that's not good for the human experience in the body. Uh, it's not good for the mind. And we degrade very quickly when we're in that state of chronic stress. So our company is built around providing people the awareness uh, and the tools and resources to prevent long-term stress and inflammation. No, that's fascinating. So, so when you yeah. say the awareness around it, um, is this going to be like a like more like a program or kind of like consulting or mentorship, if you will, to help people, you know, get that awareness of where that stress is coming from and how to kind of like let that go and go through that process of letting it, letting it go? Yeah, so I appreciate the question. I, I think the answer to that is more around looking at people as, you know, we're, we're all the same, right? We're all working with the same, you know, biology, the same type of experiencing directing consciousness. We all experience stress. Uh, so what we've built is a circuit around modalities that seem to garner a cascade of benefits with minimal exposure, right? So you know, mindfulness meditation is one of the modalities, you know, uh, sauna is one of the modalities, cold exposure is one of the modalities, you know, red light therapy, uh, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy, uh, Tabata, HIIT training, yoga, uh, all of these come awesome. together in a certain sequence. Yeah. And, and they seem to just provide so much benefit that we feel that if we could only work with an individual, you know, an hour, an hour, four to five days per week, what would we expose them to? What type of, you know, uh, changes would we want to influence in their lives uh, mm -hmm. and inspire change within, right? So, you know, we don't have control over every single element of other people's lives, but when they come to Immunum and when they access the technology, we want to give them the best results in the shortest period of time. So we're building the right. model around that. Yeah, now, now it's clear. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely a crossover to some of the things that like Geo does at Elemental Wellness and there's other wellness studios exactly. that are popping up more and more, especially in, in Toronto where you can go and do a nice bath. You can experience the sauna, red light therapy. You can experience breath work and stuff. Yeah. So I, and I appreciate all that because all those modalities were actually a really big part of my own journey to the point where I built my own ice bath in my garage out of a chest freezer and I'm working on now getting a song. So I, I want to have these modalities. You know, I'm a breathwork facilitator myself. I do breathwork pretty much on the daily. But what I found interesting, um, and this is part of the premise of me creating this podcast, Create a Life You Love, and also a program that will kind of coincide with the with the podcast is like, okay, so we do all these modalities, we put people into these environments. And a lot of times when you do this, and we see it a lot with breath work, a lot of things come up for people, right? A lot of that suppressed emotion or past experience or traumatic experiences, if you will, come up for people. It's like, so what happens then, right? People are having these amazing profound experiences, all this stuff is coming up, like what's next for them? Kind of looking at it as like the integration phrase, right? Like you go on this amazing plant medicine journey, you hit it on the head, you come back. And again, this is from my own personal experience. It's like, okay, so now I've just kind of kicked yeah. it off. Now the integration is where it all begins. And that's why we created, you know, create exactly. a life you love because like we wanted to create something, one, share stories like this, but two, 
bring them through a program. And the program basically consists of like a workshop and a mastermind where we can bring these people together and, and, and you know, work together on kind of healing themselves, right? And now we've identified all this stuff. Yeah. What's next? How, how do we kind of like let that stuff go so we can live a more like fulfilled life? And like, I find... And we can kind of leave it at this. And Gio talked about it at the breathwork event, this word of synchronicity. And like just the way these little things are showing up in my life. And even like your story of how like you went to that traumatic experience with your daughter, right? But the way that it was like, to me that I looked at, it was almost like a perfect synchronicity because like you had these moments when you were younger, you went through this experience with your daughter, which was a catalyst for you now to do more work in this wellness space. Right. And I'm not saying you wouldn't have got there without that experience with your daughter, but it seems like that was a big part of you moving back into that space and really wanting to help people. Is that, I would say, fair yeah. to say? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think all things happen for, for good, um, you know, and it, it's our responsibility to, to become aware of that and connect to it. Uh, but I think what you're saying about integration and community is key. And, uh, you know, this is why we have the name Immunum. I am Immunum, right? I am one. So Immunum is a large, a large part of the experience is the modality around community itself, coming together with like-minded people and having the ability to really, you know, uh, 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 complement and, and become relating to other people's challenges because we're all dealing with the same thing, you know, rich or poor, you know, black or white, you know, young or old, we're all human beings. Uh, and we really thrive and, and, uh, and really do best when we're in, in, in settings where there's continual community. So yeah, I appreciate that. I agree with the integration part as well. Yeah, yeah, I saw it a lot when I first started doing the breath work. And I started realizing too, sometimes it wasn't even about me sharing and what came up for me. It was also just listening to other people's experience and what was coming up for them and how much I gained from that. Yeah. And like recognizing that we're all the same. We're all one. And like what you're going through, well, guess what? That person could be going through the same thing in a different way, but it's all interconnected. So when you come together, it's so beautiful. So, okay, well, thanks, right. thanks again, Rob. Um, you did share where we could reach out to you. I'll put links in the description. So if anyone wants to connect with you personally, uh, they can go and do that. But again, this conversation was amazing. Uh, I learned a lot about you and, you know, the direction that you're going and what kind of brought you here. So I appreciated that. And yeah, um, I guess that's it. We'll, we'll talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, let, let's, uh, let's, let's definitely do that. I, 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 uh, I enjoyed it and I would love to have another conversation in due time. Okay. All right. Cheers. All right. Thank you so much.